I am Matt. I'm Randy. And this is Got Got Questions. I am Matt. I'm Randy. And this is Got Got Questions. Questions. And we have a very special guest speaker very with us today, Randy. Guest. I'm very excited about this. You want to introduce him for us? You know, this is uh, this is really exciting for me because I really enjoy talking with our favorite pastor, Pastor Gordon Rumble. Yeah. He's the guy we ask when we've got questions. So Absolutely. here he is to answer your questions. Pastor Rumble, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Oh, man, it's good to be here, guys. Uh, my name is Gordon Rumble, pastor here at Big Valley Grace, and uh, we are the pastor of senior adults. And uh, we help with the care and visitation ministries and Good Sam ministries and the deaf and uh, mustard seeds and some of the other things. But we really enjoy it. Been here about nine years and and, uh, it's just a great place to worship. Awesome. Yeah, for for those of you listening, maybe you've heard uh, Randy and I talking in the last episodes about our series that we have with the students. Uh, You asked for it where they ask us questions and Randy and I look at each other and we're like, I don't know. And so who do we go to? Pastor, yeah, Pastor Gordon. Oh, so, boy. So uh, we have some awesome uh, questions for you that a lot of students ask us. I've had friends ask me. I, I've read them before, and I thought, who better to, to discuss this with, with, with Randy? Uh, who better than you? So uh, we wanted to, to say, you know, this is the beginning. We want to a- answer as many <laughs> questions as we can about the beginning of time. you got to start with the big one, the really you big do. one, the you one do. that everybody asks is, Pastor Rumble, where did God come from, and who created God? Yes. All the kids want to know. Oh, right? boy, that is a big one. Well, I guess the question itself limits God, and I would never want to limit God. And um, because our Father, our God in heaven, he is not um, limited or affected by time or by space or by matter. Think about it. He is not affected by time, by space, or by matter. In fact, the first 10 words right out of Genesis, he answers the question. He says, in the beginning, that's time, God created space, the heavens and the earth, that's matter. And so God is outside of all of that. Because if you try to put him inside of that, then he's like us and he's not a God anymore. So you can't limit him. And I think he answers that question just in the first 10 words. In the beginning, God, we can't comprehend that. Our minds can't wrap ourselves around it. But don't ever try to trap him and limit God by saying, where did he come from? Because we can't do that. Okay. Let me follow with something. Okay. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to be kind of the skeptic side of it, just so that we have both, both voices here to make it fair. So, you know, you have people that believe in the Big Bang. You have these two atoms that came together, Mm -hmm. and they could say that those two atoms have always been there, and that could be their God. Just like we say God's always been there, they could say those two atoms, they've always been there. So how would you separate those? Well, they still have a problem, and uh, it's called cosmology or the cosmological effect. And um, that means that everything that we know of in matter, including ourselves, owes its existence to something else. Right? You can't yes. name one thing. Correct. Table, person, planets. So if everything owes its existence to someone else, that means if you draw a rope around all of that, on the outside of that rope's got to be God. And then it dovetails into a teleological argument. That means that everything that was created 
has to have a designer. Hmm. Yeah. So okay. you can't, <laughs> this right here, this plastic bottle, yeah. uh, it owes its existence to someone else that had a designer. Well, likewise, in the beginning, God created. And then to take a man down to the moral element, uh, the next thing is, is who built us with this box inside of us called a conscience hmm. that had come out of a swamp right. that came from God. So. So you're not buying the Big Bang? Oh, the Big Bang's is silly. It's, uh, <laughs> He's like, no. Absolutely no. takes a lot more faith to believe in all that crummy stuff than it mm. does that God created. So. That's did, a really good... Did you catch what he just said? It takes a lot more faith yes. to believe in that. That's super interesting. That is. Oftentimes when we're talking with people, they say, oh, you got to have faith in God. That's really tough. But you made a good point. It takes more faith to believe in this idiot mm. stuff about Big Bang and educated goo as pastor rick countryman would say <laughs> and takes more to think about that than it does to think oh god god uh created everything he's in the bible he wrote this he inspired this that's really interesting that is that takes a lot more faith come from a polywog come on <laughs> <laughs> yeah and why do they have to change and evolve why not just stay where it was but why do you think it's so hard for people to believe that God has just been there and he is and was and forever will be? Well, I just I think it shows the power of Satan. Uh, we're born and uh, immediately he's there to create doubts. And the Bible says there's a flesh against the spirit, spirit against the flesh. And if he sees somebody starting to come to, to faith in something and starting to trust God, he'll just slam everything he can from... Um, secular view and try to take them away, try to take it out. Anytime the gospels spread or shared, the devil's right there. And uh, we that's why we got to just stay right in the word and do what we can to strengthen our faith. Awesome. So for the parents out there that are listening, right, and they kids of all ages, if they go up to, to say, a five-year-old, six-year-old, seven, you know, younger, go up to their mom and dad and say, hey, mom, dad, where did... Where did God come from? Who created God? What would be like a, just an easy, basic way to answer that for them? Like, I know you gave a really good one, but like just to... Well, why don't you answer that? I would, I would say something like, you know, he's the alpha, the omega. He, he's from, he's the, the beginning and the end, and he's just always been there, and we can't, we can't comprehend that. He is outside of time, and so he's just always, always been um, I don't, that's the best thing I can say at the moment for you know, for my easy... children, grandchildren. When I get stumped and a lot of questions, we can't answer. But I will always just try to use a verse like this. To me, this question's answered in the beginning. God, you just believe that. Yeah. And so the Bible also says that the secret things they belong to God. The things that are revealed belong to us. What's what belongs to us? Well, I have the Word of God. But the secret things, the mind of God, we don't comprehend. Mm -hmm. Right. We may never understand. Yes. Even in, right. in glory, we're, we'll probably still be asking him that. But we just have to trust in the beginning you were always there. You are our God, and I believe that. I use the metaphor of, of having a pet. So, so kids kind of understand that where I got a dog. And so the dog doesn't really understand why he can't go out when he wants to. He doesn't get that. He doesn't understand. He doesn't have the capacity to know that. So as the, the owner or the, the adoptive parent or whatever, we know what's best for that dog, just like God knows what's best for us, and we don't have the capacity to understand his thought process. And it's yeah. kind of the same for those pets. Yeah. So that's, that's what I think about. And the older, more mature we get in the Word, we slowly begin to understand some things, but these kind of things we'll never comprehend. Mm. 
I feel like I end up getting more questions. The oh, yeah. more I mature in my faith, the yes. less I feel like I know. Yes. The Holy Spirit is very good at what he does. And a lot of times in areas of, of the word, I still got training wheels on. Well, my dad used to, when I was learning how to ride a bike and I had training wheels on, he's the father. He could perceive the day that wheels could come off. Then I was ready for the next lesson. And I think the Spirit does the same thing. If we stay in the Word, we're faithful to that. Uh, he said, you know, you're ready for the next one. You're ready for the next one. And that's the way we grow. So, All right. Faith that's comes by hearing. So the flip side of that question. Mm-hmm. So we just talked about where did God come from? Yeah. What created? Where did that originate? So I guess now we got to talk about sin. Ew. So where did sin originate? <laughs> yes. Sin sin, sins was there in heaven. Is that true or no? Well, it happened to be there in Lucifer. Um, I don't. And now, this creates a big debate. I know that, but don't let people tell you that the devil uh, makes you sin because he doesn't. Uh, sin originated in the heart, and it happened to originate in his heart. And he was up there. He was Lucifer. He was the anointed one. And uh, God didn't want to create puppets, and he didn't. He created the angels. He created us, and we're not puppets. So somewhere in there, he said, I'm going to give them a free will. Angels, us, you can make the choice. And so uh, sin originated in the heart. Okay. First in Lucifer. Isaiah, I think it's Isaiah 14. And so was that in heaven? Yeah, he would have been in the presence of the Lord. He says, I will be like the Most High. And... uh, the minute pride entered, sin was in the heart. It actually says that, I believe, entered into the heart of Satan. And so the same thing with us. Uh, when the Bible says, "As one, by one man sin entered into the world and death by sin, it's in our hearts. So I'm going to, me and Randy had this question one time. We were eating at a, at a restaurant. We were having a burger. And we were talking about sin and sinning in heaven. And we came up with this next question right here, okay? If Satan sinned in heaven, what is to stop us from sinning in heaven? And so is it a perfect place with no sin then at that time? So what would stop us from sinning? No, I think uh, we're, we're not going to be in the same heaven. Uh, that'd be my first answer. The hmm. uh, Bible says in Peter, in that uh, everything's kind of tainted. He has access to the throne right now. He is in heaven right now, says in Hebrews, accusing you and I. When I sin today, he said, look what he did. Mm. But the Lord's right there. He's my intercessor. He's my mediator. Uh, he's my advocate. And he says, no, he's, he's covered by my blood. Well, that means everything, the universe, the heavens, it says everything's going to pass away. The elements will melt with a fervent heat and I will create a new heaven and a new earth. Former things will be passed away, and the Bible says in Isaiah, all former things will be remembered no more. So when he creates the new heaven, new earth, we'll have new bodies, uh, devils forever chained, there's no chance of, with that kind of a temptation ever, we're going to be in his presence, um, and there's no way we're ever going to change. When he says we're secure, uh, he does not going to change his mind on that one. Okay. Well, so the sin won't be in our hearts anymore. No. Okay. No. Sin, once you are raptured and you go to the judgment seat of Christ, the Bema seat, uh, it, all of that is dealt with right there. He says that some will have gold, uh, precious stones, and that's for a reward. Some will have uh, wood, hay, and stubble and burn. And uh, so, but it says, and yet you're saved so as by fire. So when we entered to heaven, there would be some thief on the cross. He didn't have much time to make rewards. 
but he saved. He had faith that saved, so he entered in. And so the judgment seat would probably be where our tears are wiped away from our eyes for the last time. And uh, he just says four times in the word, don't be ashamed at my coming. The key is if you're a believer, doesn't matter if you're living lousy or good, you're still going to be saved. That's the promise he's given. So it's not a judgment like, uh-oh, if you have enough works. No, it's all about simple faith. And uh, when we go into heaven then, uh, there will be no temptation. We'll go through the millennial reign, no temptation. We're sealed, saved, sanctified for all of eternity. We will not ever sin in heaven. Well, that's pretty cool. That's a good thing. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, I'm going to let Randy take over this next question because we asked this last week. So so in the middle of it, we kept discussing it. So this is interesting. So we, we've been talking with the kids about the curse, and we, we looked, and there's several several translations. In fact, I brought one up on my phone. Um, the NIV doesn't say, uh, the NIV says uh, in uh, Genesis 3.16, we were just talking about all the 3.16s, Genesis 3.16, to the woman he said, I will make your pains in childbearing very severe. But in the New Living, uh, let's go to the English Standard Version. To the woman he said, I will surely multiply your pain in childbearing. In pain, you should bring forth children. So, so Matt and I were thinking, okay, so if you're going to increase the pain in childbirth, you'd have to have a baseline, which would mean, would she have already had children before the curse? So were there children born to Adam and Eve before the curse? No, I don't think so. And uh, I would, it would be my understanding uh, that no pain. No pain. No pain. And for the reason I say that is uh, to go from nothing to something is an increase. So why? So, so uh, he says, and he uses the word, the increase. It means the mere entrance into the world uh, gave for the increase. So okay. I, I don't, if you look at the Hebrew text and some of those, I don't think it really means that there was a lot of pain and then it just got worse. I just right. think if you go from... If you go from from nothing to something, that's an, you could say, well, that's an increase, and that's kind of way I would look at it. So, okay, I think they were free of that before the fall. Matt had a really, I I got to say, it was pretty profound because I had never thought about this, but Matt went a step further and said, if they had children, so if Adam and Eve had children before the fall, sin hadn't entered the world yet, therefore, that child would have lived forever. So we know that that didn't happen because otherwise the child would have had been eternally or, or maybe he would have sinned too. Or I just assumed it was he because I said sin. I assumed it was a guy. Well, death That's passed upon all men. So if they would have been born before, that would have been a real problem. Yeah. So after, I think they were born afterwards. So. Okay. And, and we can, this isn't on our, our papers here, but it doesn't say anywhere that Cain and Abel were the first two children. Correct. It just says Cain was the first man that was born to her because she could have had girls before. Yeah. Because where, I mean, they had they had to marry someone. That's where the speculation comes that he would have married. Yeah. Okay. I was just I was just something I just kind of thought. And about I don't think we day. understand that once after the fall, uh, God could have changed some of the design of our sensations and everything. You know, they oh. they they live in perfection. We don't even comprehend that. But after the fall, work was before the fall. But the sweat of the brow was after the the thorns and hmm. the pain. Yeah. But um, I think the sensations, the dynamic of the our sensations, even changed. Oh, 
the pain came, but I don't think we can see as good, think as good, hear as good after we've been tainted with sin. Definitely can't think as good. I'm <laughs> yeah. I mean, we just we just wore out. I mean, and uh, wow. Yeah, that'll be it'll be fun to see. I think that's one of the purposes. Maybe the millennium is go back and see what it should have been like. So, where do you think the Garden of Eden would be right now? Well, the topography changed obviously after the flood, but it would probably be if there is the Euphrates and the Tigris River in the same vicinity in Iraq. It's probably not too far from Baghdad, maybe southeast or southwest mm-hmm. of, of that, probably in Iraq somewhere. That was a question that we had from one of the kids. They were like, "Where, where is the Garden of Eden? It could have changed. And if it is still there, as far as not covered up from, um, there's still going to be an angel there. Yeah. Be, if you want to go on a hunting trip, there's three things to look for, the, the Ark, the Ark of the Covenant, and Garden of Eden. So Yeah. No, I've yeah, because uh, one of the kids asked me this last weekend because we we were discussing the ark and it was like, uh, has anyone ever found the ark? And I said, no. Why is that? Well, I think they've found now that they can see it on certain seasons. They've seen from satellite images uh, hmm. of the ark. Yeah. Really? Where where's that at? It's where's in that? Ararat. Oh, it's that's a, that's it about, is over there. Yeah, it's about twelve thousand feet up. Yeah. Wow. So someday, I think as uh, time gets closer to the end, and we're very close, I think he's going to allow some of these things just to prove that to it's not going to change the heart of man. Yeah, I mean, it's very affirming to us to find the ark or the yeah, ark of like, the covenant, oh, cool, yeah. but it's not going to make anybody believe. Man's yeah. going to want to go set up hotels over there and make money. Yeah, but it'd be very affirming to see it. That'd be fun. That would be. That'd be cool. So why why wouldn't it have rotted? It's just it's, it's made of wood. Yeah, but it's in ice. Same oh. thing. Same thing. They're finding up there at the North Pole and South uh, Antarctica. They find animals. It's all been preserved from. Okay, that's pretty amazing. Wow. And there's been a lot more iron in it than than wood. Probably. I mean, I think the outsiders go for wood, pitch within and without. But I think they were Jabel and all those guys were iron workers. And I think all the inside was cages and and mechanical stuff that would overwhelm us. Yeah. Really. Oh, so yeah. they had. Do you think they had like. High, te- high tech. Oh yeah, kind of stuff. yeah. Wow. Yeah, smart man. If you live to be six hundred, you're pretty smart. All right. And, the, and it goes back to your yeah. Oh, and also we have Daniel Elliott here <laughs> yes. helping produce yeah. it. We got the mic to work, so that's pretty cool. Yeah. Um, but it also goes back to what you're saying, how they were closer to perfection. So they probably their knowledge was way more advanced than what we have. Is that? Would you say that? Well, I think you know, um, man, is for some reason what. 5,000 some years and and uh, was very intelligent. A lot of things they built, but the Bible says in Daniel that uh, one of the proofs that we're living in the last days, it says in the last days, men shall run to and fro and knowledge shall be greatly increased. And somebody mm. said the other uh. day that the halfway point of all human knowledge was 20 years ago. Really? So you see how it's gone like just straight up now. And my iPhone is already out of date and it's only a couple years old. Yeah. Where we went from, you know, a Bacchus to supersonic jets in our lifetime, uh, just about. And so uh, it proves we're living in the last days. We're, we're about done. So. so Noah didn't have a podcast? I don't know. <laughs> I think he's an intelligent man. He, had, he built that thing in 100 years. And I think the probably the first 25 years was just planning it. Yeah. Jeez. Wow. His, sons, his sons weren't born. Yeah. Wow. When he started building it. So uh, I think they were, 
Oh, 25 years into it is when uh, Ham was born. So they helped him then. But And he probably had other relatives and people helping him build yeah. it, right? And Who weren't righteous. <laughs> and then, you know, to prove of the Ice Age, like you guys are going to be talking one of these days, is Shem lived 300 years after the flood. Hmm. Well, then after that, men started to be 120. Hmm. And so the environment changed. It tilted. The earth tilted 23 degrees. Something tilted it. And there's reasons for that, too. So hmm. well, That's pretty cool. I feel like Gordon's going to have to come back for the Ice I Age. I do, too. <laughs> I do, too. Well, I've, I've been in Pastor Gordon Rimmel's office when he had some slides about... Uh, some of the flood and the catastrophe, and it was really cool. Wow. So we're going to have to bring him back when, when we discuss that. And if you at home are listening, you have questions about that, we'll, we'd like to hear what you have to, to ask too. But um, this one's not on here too, but I want to rewind a little bit back to Satan, Lucifer. And, uh, you know, angels do not die. That is correct, right? And uh, so he will just go to hell and just be there for all eternity. There's no death to, I mean, he's just going to be. Um, all of his created beings, uh, angels, and even us, everybody that's been created never ceased to exist. Once he creates something, it never ceased to exist throughout all of eternity. So the angels, hell was made for the angels, the demons and his angels. And, the, and when those reject Christ, they're going to be with him in eternity. So, yeah, that's where they'll be, where the worm dies not. Flame dies, is never quenched. But, you know, down there, it's going to be, we always talk about the, the fire, the brimstone, and all the stuff. That is the torture. That's not the worst thing down there. The torment, the mind. That's going to be the tor tormented mind down there. I could have come. I could have come. I could have come. And they're going to remember that throughout eternity. So it's one thing to be burning up. And be in total darkness, but to have memory that will never cease, like an unbroken record, I could have come. I could have come. Wow. So so I'm going to go off script here, Matt, because that, that brings me to one of the questions I've had, and I've heard the kids talk about. You know, we, we hear about the, the tribes that, mm -hmm. that nobody's seen before and everything like that, so they haven't had a chance to be witness to about Christ. Mm -hmm. We know from the Bible that everybody will be have the opportunity to choose. No. So does that happen? Do we know where that happens? Well, uh, the thing is, you answer the best way to answer that was just with Scripture. The Bible says in Romans, uh, all man is without excuse. And see, what we get to th sometimes, we think, well, if everybody don't get to hear the gospel, for God's to love that whole thing, right. then that's not fair. No, he says all men is without excuse. So we have three things that were without excuse. If you've seen nature, you have a conscience, you have the word of God. And he mentions those three things, I think the first chapter of Romans. So if you see nature, there's people come to the Lord just because of nature. There's people come, if you're blind, you don't see nature. It's built within us, a conscience. It says right there that men know God. They knew him, and yet they, evil hearts, were darkened and they soon became reprobates because they rejected him. Mm -hmm. We have the word of God today because we've been presented the word. And the Bible says in Mark, when it is published in all the nations, I'm going to soon appear. And I think that's another proof we're at the end of the age. Uh, the word's going to go out to the 7 billion. But you go back 3,000 years ago, some tribe down in Chile, they had nature, they had conscience. Man is without excuse. 
with either one of those. The Spirit is very good at what He does, and everybody has had an opportunity to know so, God. So even after Christ came, mm-hmm. if, if, I, if you didn't get an opportunity to know that, yeah. then, it, then you fall back to where the Old Testament was, yeah. where you know nature, you know God, you have a good yeah. conscience. Okay. It's in our conscience to know Him. And you can't, you, they like to run away from Romans chapter one, but it says right there, they knew God. Man has known, it's built in us to fellowship. Why do they do cults? Why do they do all these other things? It's in them to worship something. It's built in us to worship him. But the Satan is, I hate to say he's kind of good at what he does, but. Yeah. Uh, he's very good at what he does. Yeah. If he got a third of the angels to go oh, to amazing. go with him, which yeah. that's that's something that's so mind blowing to me is how in the world can you be in the presence of God and you walk away thinking that there's something better, and for him to deceive that many angels as well who are there, that's just baffling. Well, to he me. used. I think he's using even today one of the greatest uh, ministries he has is through music. And the Bible says he was the anointed one, uh, the cherub that covereth. He, and it says one place he had tabarets, which is the vocal cords. And and I think he was one of the great singers of the morning. Hmm. And so he knows music. And so look what he's done with music. Yeah. I mean, he's taken people. I remember Black Sabbath and some of these groups. <laughs> uh, man, it was pretty pretty bad stuff. But um Yeah, you think music has a big influence on us as a culture today? Oh, my goodness. Oh, absolutely. Do you think it's got more than the movies and video games? Uh, Yeah, I I do. I think music is the number one language of the world. Yeah. It definitely moves you. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we were actually, Randy and I were just talking about that. I was telling them this last Sunday in church of how uh, I could tell a difference in myself when I listen to secular radio versus Christian radio. Like, there's days where if I'm like, all right, I wonder what the hot songs are, you know, and I turn it on, and then, like, I get angry after. I don't know why. There's something where I'm like, it's not fulfilling, and I'm a big music guy. Music I've, I've loved for a very long time, and that's actually part of my testimony is how kind of a song triggered somewhere in the dark. But when I listen to Christian music, I feel more fulfilled and more excited about my day. And I'm not just saying that to be cliche. No, that's, a, that's really how I am when, I, when it comes to music. A lot of times I've even been coming to church and for some reason out of nowhere, well, she's just 17, you know, and you start singing these. And I'm thinking, well, where did that come from? And so I get back to blessed is a man that walking, you know, so he'll throw them in there. So, And if you have someone listening right now, Gordon, that's on the fence of Christianity, you know, mm. making that commitment of saying this is I want Christ in my life or I don't, what would you say to them right now? I'm gonna let Daniel answer that. Daniel, what would you say? What was your question? If you right, if you have someone listening right now that is on the fence with Christianity and they're they're saying, "I'm not sure if I want Christ or not," what would you say to them? Um, hmm. I'd probably just invite them to church or uh, go and get like coffee or something. And then, like for me personally, I like to have those conversations, um, just like with lunch or coffee, you know, and then get people excited about Christ before I like, hey, this is the word of God, you know, um, I think that's a good way to, so if someone right now is listening, yeah, how do you get a hold of them? Um, geez, I don't know. <laughs> we <laughs> like, reach hmm. out to them or something. Okay. Well, they could get a hold of us. You know, we could call big Valley grace community church in Modesto. Our phone number and all that is on the website. So if you want to call us, we have pastors of the day that they can talk to and we'd love to walk you through it and talk to you about, uh, 
what what this looks like, what this is, and if you have any questions, we'd like to answer them. But uh, that's one way of doing it for sure. But Gordon and, could answer that one. Oh, yeah, he was know, ready for it. My dad and my grandfather used to teach us. I call them little poems and ditties. And um, I was just at our fiftieth class reunion the other day with a, a young man, a Mormon, and he even helped at our wedding and. And uh, we just started talking about the Lord again. And, and I remember saying something like this to him. There is no living in the land of the living like living for a living God. And you start sharing the word like that. The thing that excites me, that pumps me up is Christ. Yeah, the whole word, the word of God is Christ. It's the thing that changes our life. And if they see the enthusiasm in your own life, uh, what you love about the Lord, and I agree with Daniel, start bringing, make friendships, bring them to church, get them around the body of Christ and let them see, yeah, we make mistakes and we, we're crummy people too often, but man, we have Christ in us and um, that makes all the difference. And they see that spark uh, that comes from that incorruptible seed that will never fade away. Um, man, that's where real satisfaction comes from, so. I think you're right. Feeling the enthusiasm, yeah. feeling the, and, and maybe that's part of what the music is. That's part of that whole, gets you moving, gets you yeah. excited, gets you wrapped up. And I think that it's infectious. So I'm, I'm with you. I think that I think you're right. And I'm sorry, but when I see cults coming to our door and stuff, they don't look enthused. They yeah. don't look happy, and they're trying to share something that they are not even. They don't like doing, and, yeah. and they're doing it because it's a, an effort. It's a work but not so in, in Christianity. Um, there's one thing that separates us from all religions, all cults. It's the Bible, period. And that separates us. We have the Word of God. That's that's it. So, And that is something to be excited about. You Absolutely. Know, like there's nothing I could do to earn it. No. You know, and it's just I'm saved. And how cool is that? You know, just be like, I, I, I'm not, I'm not a great person. <laughs> I mess up all the time and God still loves me. And he's like, I love you regardless. Yeah. And he thought of me while on the cross, he could have came down at any point. He could have stopped after one whip. I would have been done. You know, I would have thought of the one person I can't stand and would be like, Oh, they're not worth it. But you know, for, for him to be like, Matt, I love you regardless of the things that you've done or are going to do. I still love you. And I'm right here. And, uh, Man, that's, that's encouraging. Why not be excited about that, to live in eternity without pain or suffering and just know that they're, that you're loved? You know, that that's something that's so rare that I see with some students sometimes and uh, people I come in contact with is they don't know someone cares about them or loves them. And that kind of what, what separates us, hopefully, is that when they look at us, they're like, man, this person cares about me. Why is that? And, you know, and you can have your your conversations with them when you take them out to, to lunch or whatever, but... It is something to be excited about. I wouldn't want to knock on the door and be like, yeah, I'm a Christian. You want to hear about God, you know? <laughs> on your bike and stuff. <laughs> well, there's only one uh, judgment that God has given the unbeliever, and it's only one judgment in the whole word of God that he gives to him. And it says, by this shall all men know that you are my disciples if you have love one for another. Uh, that's not by all Christians. It's by all men. And if we show a, a lot of enthusiasm and love for each other, it's that's the, probably the greatest ministry we're going to have. Because yeah. we are. We do sin. We're not perfect. We're right. just perfectly forgiven, and that's why we're happy. You know, <laughs> yeah. If I could kick in the seat of the pants the person that I don't like the most, I don't think I'd sit down for a month. Mm. That's me. I'm my worst problem. <laughs> but the word changes me. And uh, Man. That was deep, man. That was deep. 
we're going to heaven someday, man. That's awesome. So. It is. I, I feel like fellowship is a big part of what's missing, you know, with, with people. And yeah. That's why I, Randy and I love talking to one another and asking each other questions is because to me, I, I go back to saying this is discipleship, you know, just having a relationship, having right. that, that bond and deep talks, not surface level stuff, but just deep talks, asking how you're doing or just about life. Like, I feel like that's a big part that's missing today. Well, and Rick, I just love Pastor Rick. He, um, every prayer meeting on Sunday morning, Saturday nights, he always prays for all the other churches hmm. and the yes. pastors here in town. Well, that, that I can follow that kind of thing. That, that means you love everybody, regardless of where you worship in this town. And we need to see that because too often we're Christian cannibals. Bible says in Galatians, take heed that you don't bite and devour one another. And, uh, and if we're condemning each other and, and it's kind of a competition thing, the world's watching that. No, we need to build each other up. Be glad for our neighbor down the street that's yeah. uh, sharing the word. And, and I really appreciate Rick doing that, man. He lifts him up. Yeah. And uh, by name. And that, I love that. So Same team. Same team. Yeah, yeah yep. that is cool that right. he does yeah. that. That is really cool. Well, I think that's all the questions that I, I got for Pastor It is Gordon. not the last question. Oh, what do you have? We do have one more question. Well, he uh, kind of sort of answered it already, yeah. but I want to I want to really kind of... <laughs> oh, yes. Because we're, yes. we're talking about pain. Oh, yes. Boy. So, so Matt and I were talking, and we've got this vision of the Garden of Eden walking around. And so, so Adam and Eve didn't stub their toes. They didn't walk up against a tree and get scratched or anything. There's just no pain. I don't think so. Okay. I think they had a great time and um, swam in the lake a lot. <laughs> oh, there you go. There you go. It wasn't enough time. How long do you think that they that they were there before before they like sinned? Two seconds. <laughs> like, boom. I don't know. It says in the cool of the day. It sounds like days were days, and uh, they were walking, talking with God, enjoying it. And one day, the the old fruit showed up, and everything changed. So. It's just, yeah, not, they probably were like, why? We had it so good. You kids don't understand what yeah. we had. You know, they probably looked back through there, but uh, moved, moved away uh, from the Garden of Eden. And, and um, Adam stayed true to training his boys, even though some of them never made the right choices. He did the right thing. He's our father, all the way back to Adam, so... I think something Pastor Miller said uh, really stuck with me about pain. And it, it, we talked about pain being God's way of teaching us. So, so it's something, to, just to put it out there to our listening audience, that if you're feeling pain, and a lot of us are, physical pain, spiritual pain, emotional pain, you got to ask yourself, what am I supposed to be learning from this? Because there is, there is a lesson in all of that pain. So I think I'm just sharing some inspiration a little bit that that god's trying to teach you something so take a minute and and or maybe an hour and think think about why what you're supposed to be learning from this i know for me when i go through tough times oftentimes i just get you know oh woe is me and poor yeah. randy and everything but i really need to be thinking about what am i supposed to be learning from this what am i supposed to be getting from this so and there's nothing wrong we all we don't like problems we don't like pain but if we pray and the lord doesn't take it away then we need to set up and pay attention. And I think sometimes he allows us for those pain or those trials or those traumas uh, to keep us close to him. And um, because sometimes I don't realize he's not only necessary, but he's enough. 
That's all I need. I just all I need is the Lord. And sometimes I don't realize he's all I need until he's all I have. <laughs> there you go. Nice. And, Absolutely. Um, that should be a quote put yeah. down on a T-shirt. And so if he keeps me at the end of myself at the beginning of him each moment, then that's worth it. Paul, Paul experienced that. You take that thorn away. Take No, I'm not going to do it. Okay, my strength is made perfect in weakness. I'll stay here. Keeps you humble. Yeah. Awesome. All right, Matt. That was the that was hey, my final question. That was good. I liked that. That's a good one. You know, and I even had that right there. And I did. That's all right. That's all right. No worries. Way to pick me up, man. There you go. Pick me up. Well, thank you, Pastor Gordon Rumble, and thanks for being here. We hope that we have you again soon because it seems like we're not done with you. Oh, that's fine. I, yeah. Lord bless you guys. I'm glad you're doing this. This is neat. And Daniel needs to start answering some questions. Yeah. yeah. I'm just the producer. Okay. <laughs> so if it goes downhill, yeah. we know. Uh, yeah. so. when, when we get stuck, we say, hey, Daniel, what, you got something for us? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'll be back to you next week. Well, we need to continue to pray for each other, too, and and uh, we're living in uh, tough times. And I think what you're doing here is a great thing and get the message out to lift him up, and that's all we're here for is to lift him up, honor him, and glorify him. So. You bet. Do it. Absolutely. Thank you, Pastor. Thank you. I'm, I'm Matt. I'm Randy. And this is Got, Got Questions. Questions.